right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. gentlemen welcome back to the no laying up podcast back from gallivanting around scotland solly here big randy calling in from the mountain west time zone hello big how are we today i am great i don't is that where i am right now i don't quite know where i am or what time it is at least my body doesn't but uh very happy to be here thanks for having me hello to you solly and also and our other guests and also joining us in the kill house tonight uh, made his announcing debut this week on the corn Ferry tour which we're going to chat a little bit about but uh becoming a somewhat regular on this podcast mr justin huber welcome back pleasure to be back this may feel like a little bit of a cakewalk tonight instead of uh Instead of what I did the past few days, so I'm looking forward to this. I will say you committed to doing this uh, somewhat last minute, but also before Spieth won. So I don't feel as bad now that Spieth won because it, you know, today this Easter Sunday is a big ask for uh, for a Sunday night recording. But we talk a lot about what is in the hands of tour players like John Rahm and his Rogue ST, like my X Forged Irons, Neil's Triple Track Golf Ball. But we rarely talk about what is on those hands. The Callaway Tour Authentic Glove is what Callaway professional staffers around the world trust, and it's what we wear whenever we're out on the golf course. I, before I ever put one of these on, I was always buying whatever was the cheapest on the shelf. For some reason, those gloves never lasted. Uh, they were very poor quality. They turned into like baseball gloves after about five uses. After I tried the Tour Authentic Glove, I have, will, have never switched back and will never switch back. I'll be wearing them for life. It's tackier, softer, and thinner. It's made from premium Cabretta leather and infused with grip tack for a second skin fit and a 20% increase in grip performance. Check out the Callaway Tour Authentic Glove at CallawayGolf.com. In true, uh, a true story here, my grips had actually gotten really worn down. I hadn't even noticed it because of how good the grips were uh, on the glove. And you know I've got glandular issues and all that stuff. And I haven't, I haven't, I haven't really complained about any of those in quite some time. So, Hey, hey Huber, where would you rank Cabretta leather amongst all leathers? Premium. It's premium. That's that's really all there is to it. I, I don't know what I don't know what could be above it because when you throw the title premium in there, it 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 takes it to the top. Handled like a true true broadcasting professional right there. <laughs> uh, that's all we'll need from you tonight. I, he I only wear I only wear premium. So <laughs> Jordan Spieth is back. Is Jordan Spieth back, Big Randy? I think he's back. I think he's back, baby. I've never seen a collective laydown crowning like we saw today. It just <laughs> was glorious. Guys were getting out of the way. The Red Sea was parting, and our <laughs> king is back. It's been a long year, but, man, golf is better when, when Jordan's in the winner's circle. When he birdied 18, it kind of fit, felt a little bit like God, I know exactly what's about to happen here. That putt on 18 on Saturday is going to get replayed and replayed and replayed. He finished one shot short. Uh, triumphant effort to make that birdie on 18. And then even so he had a 0.8 uh, per, uh, win percent probability when he teed off on 18. It went to five when he birdied it. And that was basically like maybe he'll get in a three-way playoff and somehow win it. That was like basically what they're counting on. He almost wins it outright. Uh, so I, I was definitely, I did not think 13 was going to be good enough for a playoff. Did you ever, like you are a professional golfer, Justin Huber. You know how scores can be weird, especially on a day like this where scores were, you know, the leaderboard was kind of moving all day. Did that ever look like 13 under was going to get in the playoff? When he finished out, uh, I went out for a walk and I told Sarah, I was like, Spieth birdie got to 13. He's in the lead right now, but he's not going to win. So I'm cool with taking a little breather. And I come back in and cause Lowry was 14 then. 
come back in, we couldn't have been out there 20 minutes and Lowry's at 12 and Spieth was alone at the top. And I'm going, what just happened? And then you watch them come down the stretch and they hit good shots, hit good putts. And I mean, I, I was certain that Cantlay was going to make the putt on 18 in regulation. And then I thought for sure Lowry makes the putt on 17 in regulation. And like you said, they just, they didn't go in and he ends up getting a, another opportunity. I can guarantee you Spieth did not think no. that he was going to be in a playoff when he finishes around. Because it's the volume of guys, too, right? I mean, you give that many guys that much opportunity. A lot of guys still had the fourteenth hole, uh, the 15th hole to play, which is par 5 that played as one of the easiest holes uh, on the golf course, and the easiest hole in the back nine. That and 16 was also played as a really easy hole. So you just think with that many guys, somebody's going to go out and, and make two birdies, and it just did not happen. 17, too. 17 was a wedge downwind today for most right. of those guys. Like, just the sheer law of averages, like, someone's going to make two birdies and they didn't Harold's putt on 18. I thought that was, I thought that was going in about halfway there. And uh, that was a great effort. That was a really, really good, especially after his last couple attempts weren't maybe the best kind of botched 15 and then uh, putt on 17 was a couple feet short, but either way, it was a treat to watch Spieth get the dub and kind of felt icky in the playoff with Cantley getting the plug lie and but he had he he should never have hit it there right I mean that 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 did not add up for me with Spieth already in the bunker I know it's a front pin but it just seemed like the margin of error he should have been playing past that pin I think you had just a little bit of wind I don't know inconsistency there because Spieth looked like he flushed it he gave it a little twirl it was leaning a little bit but I mean they're coming up they're not really trying to fly it whole high. They're trying to fly it on the front, but they're still coming up five yards short. And then Cantley didn't look like he missed it at all. I mean, that ball's right at it. To come up that short, they just I think they just misjudged it. And Cantley kind of got the raw end of it, hitting the better tee shot, being closer, um, threw it up a little higher. I mean, Spieth kind of waved that, and he had a long way in, and so his ball doesn't plug, and then Cantley's does. So just uh, neat to see Spieth get it done. It, did, it felt like a very Spieth win, just yeah. like <laughs> – Oh, oh, he won. Like, what? He he putted terrible all week. This is not, I don't know. It just felt felt very Spieth-like. Felt weird. Randy, did you like Spieth's chances better at holding the bunker shot in the playoff or making a five-footer for the win? <laughs> I uh, honestly, probably holding the bunker shot. And, man, I, I it looked in for a little bit. I go back to what you guys were saying. I couldn't believe the bullets he dodged on 15. Not, not one of those... Uh, guys at 12 made birdie on um, well and Cantley who finished at 13 under not one of those guys birdied 15 and that was a, a real shocker to me I, I earlier in the day I was thinking 15 was the number you know maybe for a playoff even and just could not believe the string of bad breaks just squirrely shots missed putts coming in and, and it all lined up for speed very cool how about him saying I won a golf tournament without my putter? <laughs> I can't tell if that's a good or bad thing. Like if we're if we're rooting for something to come back for Spieth, we've been kind of lamenting this pre-shot routine and it doesn't look great, blah blah blah. Maybe it's just because it's you know he it it flowed a lot better having him hit really good golf shots, but it looks less laborsome beforehand. At least he looks like he's sliding right into it and he's he's hitting golf shots again, not making golf swings at it. But yeah, hit the putting thing I think is still an issue. I think. I guess I'm a little bit reserved on this win because it felt like a bit like a T3, like with, how, with where he finished, how he finished, and 
luck really fell his way to get the win more so than it felt like a, a dominant Spieth performance. Uh, so I, I don't know. I'm kind of wishy-washy on it. I'm very, very uh, encouraged by leading the field in strokes gain T to green, but I, it still feels like there's like one more. It felt like he won with like his B game, which I think is a good sign, and I probably should be more excited than I am, but it felt like, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm struggling to, to, to kind of get this out. I just didn't. It didn't give me hope for what's to come because it still feels like the putter is a serious issue. It's not like one of those weeks where he's pouring it in. You're like, oh, he's he's about to go on a heater. It's like, oh my gosh, he won, but he may miss the cut next week. Yeah, um, I will say he gets the ball up and down from everywhere, and everyone did. Shane Lowry, I, I'm watching this going, ah, I'm bogey. That's bogey for me. Oh, that's another bogey. And these guys are flicking it up. Spieth chips it inside three feet every time. All day. Um, Lowry was getting it up and down. He had to chip out on 13, gets it up and down from 100 yards. On 12, he hits it long in the pine straw and gets it up and down. It was just – that's why another reason why I didn't think Spieth had a chance because it didn't seem like these guys were ever going to make any bogeys. And then, um, obviously, Lowry chips it in the water and – the rest is history, but take me to that chip because it it was a difficult. He's way left of of the of the green on thirteen. Is it sorry fourteen? Okay. Uh, 14 the par three, yep. And the pin is back right, and it's slippery. It's downhill going from there. He looked perplexed that he that he kind of chipped it into the water. But take me to that shot. What options does he have? What do you see? You know, from somebody trying to play that shot in contention. I've played the course before. I've been over there, and you ha- you really need to punt. I don't know if you saw Eric Van Royen. He he punted. He was by that bunker, and he just putted it around. He made the safer par, but you really don't have any chance. It's thin over there. You're kind of coming off a down slope, and you're landing it on the down slope. Just got to use the bounce, though, like it's, you taught me. I, that's that's one of those where if you – there's not anything underneath. And, excuse me, it could be it, – it's easy to do what he did. I was a little shocked he took that direct of a route type deal. That seems like one you – you hit it to 20 feet out to the right or whatever left and, and you give yourself a look at par and make bogey at worst and still have a share of the lead. Cause that's the one that looks like you can't really get it close. Right. So what's the point in trying to get it to 15 feet on the best round, uh, you know, and bring the water into play when you could chip it to 23 feet and take, take five out of play. Exactly. I think that's one that his only chance of getting it close is hitting the stick. It, it takes a, I mean, I, these guys are obviously really good, but you could give him five balls, and I bet he probably – he's one of the best with a wedge, and he probably gets one of them inside 10 feet going at it. So situational was a little squirrely there, I guess, going that route. But, um, I mean, it I, it didn't work. I, I, I think, Justin, as you said earlier, like I think Lowry was chipping the ball so well, like 10, 12 – 13 i i think he had the confidence like dude i'm just gonna chip this right at it and it it looked like he played the shot he wanted to play that ball just had zero check on it and hit the down slope and and rolled into the water i that was shocking though and i think shane's whole back nine was the most shocking in that really some some squirrely shots there not not only that chip on 14 but um you know, drive on 15, even heck going back to 10, hit, hitting it a little right. I, his ball striking really disappeared on the back nine. I, I was thinking this was a Lowry win, uh, when everybody was, when he was making the turn and you know, that the tournament was still eight, nine holes to go. 
Yeah, I think it also, going back to that 14th hole, it is just a, a classic Pete die in terms of, like, you're going to have to pay this off at some point. If you want to bail left off the tee, that's fine. Now you're chipping back towards the water and kind of to see somebody, you know, fall into, not fall into that trap, but, you know, not not take on the risk off the tee and have a much, much riskier second shot. I think it it makes for exciting professional golf. It's not always the most fun to play, I don't think, and Harbortown gives me the heebie-jeebies watching it. I, I don't see I don't see the shots visually for me. There's a lot of tour courses I'd love to play, and I'd like to play it someday, but it just looks so difficult, and they make it look very easy every year, but uh, gosh, it just even watching Harold and Shane especially struggle off the tee today, just constantly being behind trees and sand on, on baldish lies, I'd have shot 86 so easily today. It's, it's claustrophobic, truthfully. Yeah. Like, you get out there and – you hit a tee ball and you're like, oh, that should be pretty good. And you get up there and you're like, I kind of got a tree in the way. And I'm in the left center of the fairway. It's not like you're yeah. left rough. Like it's, it's, it is a slightly claustrophobic golf course. And especially when the wind gets blowing, kind of swirling, like you said, they, they make it look pretty easy, but it doesn't take much to, to be a little off. And you see, I mean, a couple guys today shot pretty poor rounds. There was an eight over some four or five, six overs. It doesn't take much to get to there. And, uh, and you can end up, like Pete Dye, you can end up hitting a pretty decent shot and being a super squirrely lie, and it's an easy bogey. It's, it's sweet. Har- Harbor Town's awesome. It's a fun and, course. And I'll, yeah, and I'll say, too, it's, it's for sure claustrophobic. Having played it twice, it's like uh, just a nightmare with how tight it looks and then the lack of rough. It, those balls get on the ground and they just run and they're not going to stop until they get into the pine straw or worse, you know, out, out of bounds eventually, or, or going into the ponds. It, it's a man. And, and I guess that was what was so fun today was seeing a bunched up leaderboard with some really big names and, you know, some good stories like Varner trying to get his first PGA tour win on like a shot maker's course, right? A shot that demands precision and accuracy. And it, it it's a great tournament. It punches above its weight. I go back and forth, like, should this be in a different spot? I know it's the pros love it. It's a great spot post masters. Um, but I'm really glad they've, they've gotten some bigger names there. And it, it's just a wonderful venue. I think really good field this time around. And you know, it, it, it Something about the way those final few few holes play and how it uh, how it cycles. Watching the earlier groups come through and and I know this happens every single week, but like for some reason at Harbor Town when they put that front right pin on what is it twelve or thirteen the shorter four uh, thirteen the, yeah yeah and then just how watching watching guys kind of get at the pin at the front right pin on eighteen seeing several groups come through like you just are so teed up for what is about to come in the final groups and I don't know that I feel like that always works with really good drama coming down the, the final stretch of this, uh, this tournament. We talked about it a few weeks ago. Like our favorite tournaments are the ones where 10 to 15 under wins. Yeah. And it feels like out, throw out when it was last year when guys went nutty, but it typically is that 10 to 15 where someone can go shoot an eight under like Cam Davis, uh, did today, or you can shoot two, three you over can par. Look like an yeah, idiot on that course. It's, it's, it's a fun one to watch. You you got, like you said, one of the strongest fields. I think it was second strongest field of a regular season event of this season. Um, really? With yeah, that they saw that little note early on in the week. It was um, like non players, non yeah, non uh, yeah. elevated yeah, whatever field. Um, yeah, with the amount of guys that were in the uh, top ten in the world or whatever. But 
pretty cool. Just a fun little fun venue because it's tight, it's tight, it's tight, and then all of a sudden you get to 16, 17, 18, and you end up with the widest yeah. fairway to hit on on tour. It's 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 kind of cool. Randy, where was your uh, where? What would you put your your faith in Spieth honestly prior to this week? Like, where were you on the uh, you know? Uh, were you on Spieth Island? Were you you know? Were you on a on a boat on a life raft drifting away from it? Where were you honestly? I that was, I'm always wandering around Spieth Island. Uh, I I don't think I'll ever leave. It's my forever home. But certainly coming off Augusta last week, you know, you're not. Certainly not feeling good. Didn't think, certainly didn't think he'd win this week, right? Um, and I, yeah, I, I just go back to what you guys were saying. Like, really surprising victory. Like, did not, did not see it coming. Um, obviously, missed the first couple rounds being over in Scotland, but seeing his his play yesterday, capped off by that little putt that he missed, and. Um, I, I don't know. It's it felt a little vintage though in the way that hearkening some of that magic that Spieth seems to tap into with a lot of his wins. Um, I, I I don't know what's to come, but I I just really hope he can find something like golf. Golf is so much better when he is contending and he's truly one of the three, four, five best players in the world. And I don't think he's there right now, but I, I think this is a good sign. It's a it's a it's a weird golf course in a weird week. He was fourth in strokes gain off the tee this week, which is always a good sign. I'm never I'm not gonna sit here and say it's a, a, a you know a bad sign, but I think it's also like I don't know if that means a whole lot as we enter the summer bomb sessions, right? And the uh the different golf courses that we're gonna see here. This this course is not a, a obviously not a typical PGA tour course and it's not it's not like he was bombing it all over the yard. He just had an accurate week off the tee and was maybe able to hit some drivers in places other guys weren't able to hit drivers, and that's how you would gain on a on a course like this. So good sign there. He was tenth in strokes gain approach the green. That's fantastic. That uh, you know, we're looking to hang out around that number. Fifth in strokes gains around the green. That's a couple hole outs. Uh, he had a hole out putt from off the green on Saturday that I saw for an eagle coming down the stretch there on the back nine. Then he holds out a bunker shot on two today. Um, so it, I don't want to say it's unsustainable. It's just like I see that 60th and strokes gain putting out of 70 or so guys that made the cut. And that it, it, you see somebody struggling on short putts like that and doing some funky things and missing as I can recall it, at least the third tap in going back to last July, like true tap in, like rushing to putt it and miss it. And, that just concerns me. That was an open blade, like just kind of. I don't want to say yip, but it was a weird motion at it. Do you see anything in that, Hubert? This is he. He had one at Byron Nelson a couple weeks ago on the seventh hole. Um, Byron Nelson, that's or, coming up. Oh, well, sure, oh. Uh, he did Valero, 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 yes, Sorry, yes, yeah, yes, Valero yeah. on seven on the front nine coming in, and it was the same way. He three putted from three and a half feet. He went to tap oh, yeah, it in and missed one. it. And I'm like, at some point, you can. You say, oh, it's just a Take mental whatever, but it's like, no, there's something going on. The blade is not, doesn't look good going through on the short ones. It's a, he's he's not hitting them off the center. You can look and some of them are toed, some of them are healed. So there's a. Can we just backtrack to remember that he used to be the guy that looked at the hole on short putts. And I don't know when that went away, but that you don't start doing that unless something's going on to begin with. So maybe he needs to go back to that, but I feel like that's I'm surprised that hasn't been talked about more. I don't even know when he went away from that officially, but if we're having issues on shorties, like 
I agree with you there. He 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 should at least try it. I mean, you could see what he's trying in the full swing. There's some goofiness going on in terms of feels like why not look at the hole? It, it's Spieth was always so good from 15 to 25 feet that you kind of forget about the short ones. Like he wasn't always nails from close range. And if they went in, they, it wasn't the prettiest looking thing. So I think that's always been there. He just hasn't been as good from that 15 to 25 foot range. And then you throw in those short misses and his strokes gain putting go way down. Cause yeah. he used to gain so much from that mid range um, that it, it covered up a lot of the short stuff. Justin, let me ask you a question that I've always been curious about, and obviously you have much better perspective on this than I ever would. For somebody like Spieth, and, you know, hypothetically speaking, would you rather be hitting the ball tee to green really, really well and struggling with your putting or kind of vice versa, where you feel like, man, I am rolling the rock really well right now, but I don't trust my, don't trust my swing. Like, like what's a more comfortable place to, to work from and to go forward from? I think the, the hot putter and short game at least gives you confidence that you can shoot a low round, even if you don't hit it great. The other way around feels like you're never going to get lower than two or three under. Um, you can, you, it feels that there's so much pressure to hit the par fives and two to hit it close when you got a wedge and, the other way around, if you're, it's funny because, I mean, you see it, it, it very rarely do, do both of them match up, but you see the guys that are putting and chipping well, and they're having a blast out there, even if they're not hitting it good, because it doesn't feel like they're going to make a bogey. And then you, then you got the guys that are hitting it great. And you see Rom a few weeks ago, just looks so frustrated yeah, because he doesn't look like he can throw it in the ocean. And that is more mentally, mentally taxing than having the hot putter and not knowing where it's going off the tee. Is it, I don't know if hard is even the right word. I, you know, as somebody that doesn't practice, I, I don't have a good understanding, but is it is it harder to correct a squirrely putter than like a full swing? How, like, how, what is that? I think the what, putter's just more, like? I think the putter's just more mental than the full swing. The full swing, you can key in on a, it seems to me that you can key in on a feel or a technique that you're working on and it can click a lot faster than you can with a, with your putting because you're you got to factor in speed you got to factor in your read if you're reading them right and your speed stinks you're not going to make it and if you're vice versa you're not going to make it so there's just a lot more mentally um mentally mental challenges i guess with putting to try to figure out than there is with the full swing you can hit it to 10 feet or you can hit it to 20 feet and it's not that big of a difference in terms of full swing but you start missing your five six footers and you're over the ball, trying to make adjustments. That's when it's just when you don't make confident strokes. And very rarely do you see guys make putts when they're making tentative strokes. I'm so uncomfortable just listening to all of that. Like thinking about the process of when you're going, you, what you're going through when you're not putting well of like, okay, well, do I try to pull this a little bit? Or do I, try to, I, pu I pulled the last three. Maybe, maybe I'll shove this one shove a little bit. One. Yeah. But should oh. I aim left and then shove it? Like, should I hit a push cut putt off the tee or fairway? You're just like, uh, yeah, I'll just, just hit it a little harder, hit it a little softer, and hope that it goes all right. Yeah, the the putter is, there's and and it back to the speed thing. It's it's unnerving to watch when he I flick or turn it on. I'm watching him on nine, and I'm not. I don't think he's gonna make it. And yeah. then immediately it he blames something. And it's like oh, it went straight left off that. And I'm like, 
did it though. Yeah, like you, broke. you, you did, may not have hit it very solid. So <laughs> there's just a lot, a lot that goes in. It, uh, I think it is worth pointing out. I mean, he hit uh, the the hole out eagle on two, but then the, a really good long iron or hybrid it was in playing through. I think I couldn't see what it was into uh, into five, and then rolls in that eagle putt. And then on nine, he birdies eight, like rolls in a nice birdie on eight, and he was vibing. He gets up to nine, smashes one, and club twirls it, and it went up against the lip. Like, that was super unlucky. And I know you're not supposed to have it. Randy loved it, probably. You're not supposed to have a great line in the bunker, blah, blah, blah. But he hit the shot he was trying to, and then uh, plays out towards the grandstands to get the free drop, which... Uh, lot of, what do we think about that? A lot of people upset about him taking advantage of the rules of golf. I loved it. Yeah, why, <laughs> why would you not do that? Ship it into there, try to bounce just, it off. <laughs> I'm just saying it might not have been very gentlemanly. He got, but, but he got boned off the tee. I mean, you hit a 320. Yeah, like that's a – and you <laughs> see the other guys that are in that bunker, and it's not a overly difficult bunker shot if it's sitting – if you can stand in there. Yeah, he, that was going to be birdie, I have a feeling. But if you don't think that's very classy, Randy, you got to say it was extremely classy for him to wait for the camera to get there and then tell all the juniors, like – I'll stay right here. I'll be right back, and then I promise I'll sign for all of you. And after winning, I could almost guarantee that probably didn't happen because he's well, got to go do media. You know what, though? I, I couldn't help but think, like, what a perfect metaphor for Easter Sunday. You know, that's kind of the, the spirit of uh, the Christian religion right there. Promising you'll be back, but who knows when. <laughs> Randy, I don't know if you heard this yet, but he won on Easter last year, and he I, won on Easter this year. Guess I know. What? Guess what Easter is next year? Here we lots go. Of, lots of things coming together. The Here mas- we go. Master Sunday on Easter next next year. This is got it, a, it's happening. Got a great question from uh, T Rome sixty seven. Said Speed's baby in concussion protocol. <laughs> Sarah goes, Why is she running out there with the baby? It's boom, boom, head bobbing. I said, Sarah, you'd probably be doing the same thing. Let's be honest. You're probably not thinking about that, but. Um, that was pretty funny. Uh, we had quite a laugh on, on that one. Greller didn't even wear his bib for the playoff. He must have taken it off. He, I guarantee he took it off when they were done. Never thought that they would be in a playoff and misplaced it or never uh, just forgot where he put it or didn't think about you, it. You got to turn him in at the end. So he turns him into yeah. caddy headquarters, or whatever, and they take him and they're going to go wash him, whatever. And I guarantee you the name had been ripped off. He had. <laughs> He didn't even think about it, and then they're like, oh, you're in a playoff. And Sarah said the same thing. Why is he not wearing a bib? And I was like, maybe they don't have to in the playoff. And then Cantley's has it on. I'm like, I don't know. I, I really don't know. <laughs> I hope he gets fined for that. I, hope, I know you're listening to this, Michael. <laughs> uh, real quick, I'm still not off the speed thing and uh, off the uh, RBC just yet. But golf season rolling along. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official betting operator of the PGA Tour, has a gimme for new customers. You can place any golf bet of at least $5, get $100 in free bets no matter what. You can bet a golfer to win, bet single-round matchups, and so much more. As long as you throw in $5, you'll get $100 in free bets. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can get in on. Uh, you can still get in on the PGA Tour action. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Golf Contest. Draft your lineup of six golfers and compete for over $1 million in prizes each week. I actually forgot to enter a lineup this week. I think that's the first lineup so far this year. I have a blast playing that every single week. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code NLU. Place a golf bet of at least $5 and get $100 in free bets, no matter the outcome. That's promo code NLU at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official betting operator of the PGA Tour. 21 and older. Restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Does this change how you feel about Jordan Spieth in major championships in 2022? Randy, take this one. Oh, God. Uh, I don't think so. I, I think it's... I think it's great to have a somewhat recent win, right? It can't help but 
boost the confidence, something to draw on. Um, we are way too know, rational. About I don't this. think what, I don't, this show has changed way too much. Uh, well, I'm actually getting I, uncomfortable. I don't think that <laughs> Spieth is even comfortable with this one. <laughs> Truthfully, like agree. I don't think he's sitting in wherever he's at right now doing media, going, "Man, I'm back." Yeah. I think he's thinking, "Holy cow, how <laughs> did I? So how did I win this? That I won with B minus game." Yeah. yeah, and I think even in his interview, his little interview with Amanda there, he was almost in tears talking about how tore up he was last week. Favorite week of the year, favorite course of the year, and missed the cut. Like he was, he was tore up. And I don't know if this, it obviously is going to make him excited for what's to come, but I don't think he's riding a high of confidence with his golf game at the moment. I think he's, there's it's a, a lot sign of, of life. There's, a, yeah, there, there, it's a definite sign of life that it, the ball striking is there. He was hitting different shots. He was hitting fades. He was hitting draws. He was working it. Um, but there's, there's too many question marks with the putter to win at a major championship venue. Does it change the over-under of 10.5 majors for him, Randy? No. Well, I think we might have to add a half. Yeah. I think, <laughs> I think we're up, up to a solid 11. I think it goes – I mean, he's going to get two at least the rest of this year. He's for sure winning St. Andrews. If the wind blows even a little bit, he's winning. That, that's, the one, that's the one I could see him contending at. The others, I don't know. That don't one know. makes a lot of sense. Yeah. It, I mean, it was a shot out of the playoff, obviously, in 2015. And uh, yeah, we'll we'll talk maybe a little bit about St. Andrews and how it'll play for for this year after uh, getting to go around it a couple times this past week because I have some I have some thoughts. It's interesting. Anything else from RBC week? You know how well you know Harold decently well from living mm -hmm. here in Jacksonville. Or he, he lived in Jacksonville for a while, doesn't anymore. But it seems like it's a full experience watching him when he gets into contention. You do, you truly don't know what's going to come. This felt like his best effort yet. It was. He he played he played really solid and he he kind of got. Um, raw end of it there on 15 hitting a nice shot into the par five and barely kind of being on the right side of the bunker with the lip behind it tough spot if that's sitting in the middle of the bunker he gets it down there to inside 10 feet every time and it, it feels like one of these times he's going to seize that moment on a Sunday and shoot four or five under and it just stalled today man that he I mean he parred every hole on the back nine it just never he I don't know he's such a competitor you you think that it's going to happen where he's going to get this momentum and it's going to be three, four birdies in a row and he's just going to steamroll. And it just, it just hasn't happened yet, but he's knocking on the door. It's going to happen. He's, he's just too good of a, too good of a ball striker and has too good of an attitude at chap. Todd said, would you rather have your follow through look like webs or HV threes the rest of your life? I still don't <laughs> physically know how HV three does it with his feet. It doesn't make any sense. I think both feet are on the ground the entire time. And all of a sudden it was like, you know, when you're a kid and you're like, hey, no, flick your right foot up when you're done. And the kid hits the ball, two seconds later just flings his right foot up. And that's what it looks like Harold does every time. It looks like every shot's from a downhill line. <laughs> and he's kind of like fall. He's got to stay on top yeah. of it for a long time. Yeah. Uh, I'd definitely take Harold over Webb. Webb's looks like spaghetti noodles flinging around. What what about what about Scheffler on uh, thirteen oh, at Augusta? <laughs> I, I actually was looking back through uh, through some old tweets and there, I, I I screenshotted the exact same image from twenty twenty one when he did it, the same exact thing. That's his shot on at uh, on thirteen at Augusta is the get the club back to the ground on the follow through somehow. <laughs> uh, I, uh, I I'm not quite ready. I never envisioned Sepp Straka, man, uh, being on. The run that he's on, one at Honda, top 10 at the players, just made the cut at Augusta, uh, tied for third this week. Had no idea uh, he had this in him. He's up to 53rd in the world and um, just he's a wanted gamer. to 
yeah, I, I mean, God, that birdie putty made on 17. I, I think it's going in the cow bogey sound if it doesn't hit the hole. <laughs> yeah, white, white paint marks on his ball when he took yeah. the cup. And they then the official uh, in to fix the cup. <laughs> just a sloppy, sloppy second into 18 and, and makes his bogey. But um, he looked like he had a great chance. I, I already talked about Lowry. I was disappointed in his play. Um, and then, you know, Kuchar just kind of, he'll always be there at Hilton Head. He'll, he'll be, you know, in contention playing well for the next 15 years, probably. You know what the, the highlight them showing uh, Kuchar holding out on 18 in 2014, you know what that reminded me of Randy? That was, that was our original podcast week, eight year anniversary this week. Yes. RBC heritage was our very first podcast in 2014. We argued about Kuchar for like an hour and a half. Tron just ate Tostitos directly into the mic, the one <laughs> microphone that we all shared. And, and then uh, he went out and won it. The next, the <laughs> he next went day. Out and won it. <laughs> I honestly forgot about Straka already. He's up to 14th in the FedEx Cup coming off a win. Um, I know we don't actually care about the FedEx Cup, but it, it does signify that you've been play, he's been playing some extremely good golf. I think you see that, though, real quick, with just some, some of the young guys that finally break through, and then they're like, huh, I can do this. I got this. And you saw Keith Mitchell when he won Honda. He went on a little tear there, um, got into the match play, and then steamrolled into some really nice finishes. But it's, I think that that question mark for the young guys or for the guys that just get out there is, can I do it? Can I do it? And then once they do it, they're like, oh, I'll just keep doing it. Mm -hmm. Another and one. I think you're seeing that. Cameron Young. This this, uh, this is a surprise to me on this golf course. He's one of the longer hitters on tour as it is. But uh, he finished T3 as well. One shot out of the playoff. Huge. Almost a 10-way playoff in this uh, tournament, by the way. If you look at the group at T3. But he's up to 17th as well in the FedEx Cup and playing some some very, very, very strong golf. Um, it, it, noteworthy. We we didn't do a Fred X Cup this year. He would have been a very interesting. I did the one piece. right at the beginning with you guys and like talked about some of the guys. And I feel like we talked about we Cameron Young. And he was. I was like, this guy is impressive. Yeah. Um, just some of the stories from last year that the guys were talking about that he has he has a different gear than most. And it like you said, this is an impressive finish. The first round going out in eight under and best round by a couple that day was pretty impressive and the uh the postman by far his best finish of of the season lots and lots of missed cuts um so good to see him have a great weekend and snag a tie for third guess who else was back this week a one morgan hoffman making his mm. first pga start in i think four years something like that there's a big golf digest article that came out uh, about him living down in Costa Rica and uh, living a very, very, very interesting life. With, if you're unfamiliar with the story, you can check out that article. We also did a podcast with him two or three years ago. I forget what it was, uh, and he talked about you know the illness he, that he had. I believe I, I, I'll get it wrong now that I don't have the notes in front of me. It was a muscular dystrophy of some kind. Um, going to Nepal, living off just 800 grapes a day for like consecutive months. And all of the crazy holistic treatment uh, that he has gone through and how he's got his health back and he's got three starts to use and he used one of them here this week. He missed the cut by one. Uh, unfortunately, he said he spent the week prepping at a hoopie the last week before. He hadn't walked a lot of golf. Uh, you know, he did 18 to 27 holes a day at a hoopie, which I, I don't know if a hoopie is the best prep for uh, for Harbor Town, but that's interesting. But um, it's good. It was very interesting and good to see him back. And that was a story that a lot of people were following, and uh, a lot of people were, were rooting for him this past week. So the swing looked good. I think 
it's tough with only a couple starts, but um, it was it was nice to see him out there. The story that article was wild. Um, kudos to him for figuring it out and for it seeming to be working and his health coming back. And which he, he did also success. say this week. I just want, he did say, and I don't know what parts, which I'm curious about. He said it was embellished a little bit for for entertainment purposes, and I I don't know. What that might be, it is a wild, wild story. But now I'm kind of like viewing it through, like, okay, well, what's the what's the real story here? Because we interviewed him, and it it wasn't that extreme in terms of drinking his own urine and, and things like that. But he uh, he said he gargled it to, and his gums came back after years of chewing tobacco, and that just that one doesn't settle well with me. <laughs> <laughs> it's not something I could I see myself gargling just for. We have a good gum we have health. A good pouch of misery uh, <laughs> edition. <laughs> I just want to also clarify that none of this is medical advice. We are uh, please contact your medical professional for anything as it uh, as it does relate to you. But um, I'll be I'll be rooting for him, man. I mean, he's uh, he's a very interesting dude. That was an incredible interview we did with him a few years ago. Talked all about flying to events and how he used to used to just like jump on the plane and like go down to Key West for the night and get key lime pie, then fly back and things like that. He's a he's an interesting cat. So I'd be curious to see uh, what's uh, what's in the fold for him. Uh, Tom Cronin Terp 88 got a lot of questions about these uh, similar questions uh, this week. Which RBC ad is the worst and why is it both of them? They somehow took their horrible DJ ad and made it worse. Are they trolling us? The left handed full swing where the ball goes in. Every time I see it, I'm like, who, who okayed this? Somebody got a raise it's and a, they got called back to make the sequel. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's it's offensive. We're gonna see it a million more times, and I I feel like we should we should uh, speak instead of ignoring it. We should speak about it until that thing is no longer in existence, because you know we're gonna see it every week now. So, so I got a I got a message asking me uh, perhaps RBC was intentionally making very bad commercials in order to drum up publicity, which is interesting. It's certainly a strategy. All press is good press, um, so they claim. Yeah, EY Ethan ninety one says, "How much has Big Randy's timeshare at Hilton Head increased with, uh, in value with Speed's victory?" Oh, that's a great question. I, <laughs> I obviously a little too soon to definitively answer that, but we we love big time winners in the uh, in the Spice Bush ownership pool. I, I will say my parents are down there. They had a lovely time. One of my dad's buddies played in the pro am with. Tommy Ladd and oh god, who else did he play with? Um, an, another NLU friendly, and um, my dad was repping NLU all over the course. So great, great times down on the island, from what I understand. I, and I will say, a little bittersweet for the bumper music in and out of commercial. They're playing good friend Ben Rector's new song, uh, "Living My Best Life," but they're they're bumping my guy Greg Russell, who's an institution on Hilton Head. So. Mm bittersweet I, I alerted ben that uh, that was the case he, he didn't seem to feel too bad <laughs> i can imagine not fred triples wants to know is the international president's cup team the favorite right now fred i'm just going to assume this is trolling because <laughs> i don't know if you've been watching what's been going on i know the international president's cup team group has uh has has had a very interesting and good start to the year but uh you're going up against a behemoth, the, the likes of which I don't know. I don't know if the world of golf is totally ready for them. On that, this US team on, at Quail Hollow is gonna gonna bring the hurt. Yeah, I, I can't see it ending very well for for the internationals, and they got some they got some nice players. But they got a good like top eight or nine. I mean, it's that's super interesting. But yeah, it's 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 a it's some power coming. Tiger and Phil have officially entered the U.S. Open. 
Does this get does this get you guys excited at all? Either one, big. It, yeah, is that just paperwork? Like they can't play unless they do register, but it certainly doesn't mean they're definitely playing. I, I don't know. There was I'm a deadline the other day. That's how Tiger started with Augusta, though. He was listed among people playing, and we were kind of like, "Oh yeah, he's he's like that until he's not withdrawn," and he played. So I think Tiger plays. I just almost don't want to see it. I know I'm it good. was. I, I, not in tears, but you watch him after he finished last week. You, you talked about it, but he's hugging his family, and he can barely, barely half-step it up to him. I'm like, D- just just don't. You don't have to be doing this. No. It's incredible that you have been able to do this and beat that many guys. Thank you to Randy for reading off the names, of course, on Thursday of last week's <laughs> show. But, um, yeah, we it, it's a different animal to do that at – Southern Hills and to do that at Brookline, then, then Augusta, there's going to be rough there. There's, it's a totally different walk. It's a different skill set test. Uh, and I just don't think he's crafted and I mean, I, he can barely walk. So it's not a bold thing to say. I don't think he's crafted very well to be handling all of that. Um, a golf course with barely any rough like Augusta and one that he knows and can play with his eyes closed is a different animal. Now, does it, does the old course make a lot of sense? Of course it does. He said he's playing it. Um, and I, I kind of hope we don't see him back until then, because again, after seeing it this time around, it, it makes um, all the sense in the world for him to try to play there. It's the easiest possible walk. I know there's some, there's Hills and all that kind of stuff, but it's nothing like Augusta and it's going to be a approach, uh, approach game contest. And that is exactly where he should be trying to compete. I think the more interesting question is Mickelson and the PGA championship next month. And could he possibly skip that being the defending champion? I mean, that would be huge in my, in my eyes. Why do you think he skipped the Masters? I mean, maybe it's obvious, but what is your what do you think? Why do you think he skipped the Masters? I, in my personal opinion, I think the Masters would have allowed him to play had he wanted to play. I think when he went away from golf, he probably hasn't been like wanting to practice or grind and. I'm sure it just was like, I don't want to go into the Masters not having played or practiced. I don't want to, with everything going on, I don't want to go there, play poorly, miss the cut, and be a distraction, and and it kind of compound. What's he doing? Like, does anybody know what he's doing? Uh, but I was going to say, but I have no idea. I, I just... I'd love to know. I'd love I to know. know what a day in the life of Phil looks like I, right now. I, I mean, just, God, if he if he doesn't play as the defending champion after the historic win last year like uh, what a sad 12 months you gotta, it, something a, a else big has to be going on if he i think if he doesn't play i think we said I, I didn't think we'd see him until the pga i didn't think he'd play augusta whether he has a suspension or not i, I think all that's kind of still up in the air i wouldn't be shocked if there was one for him not to play the pga seems super off-brand if he's going to come back, like the way he's handled everything pre all this, how he keeps claiming he's the PGA champion. Like he, he wants to be there. And I think if he's allowed to play, he'll, he'll play. Yeah. Yeah. He might, he might honestly, I mean, he's kind of like like a disgraced politician right now. Like he might be doing like focus groups and just (laughs) trying to get a feel for when this public perception is going to flip a little bit and when he can kind of reenter the, the golfing world. I it's so 
Is oh, it getting better? So self-inflicted too. Week after week, or is it getting getting like is it going the attention going to be more and more the more time that goes by? No, I think you have to give it time to then be able to come back. I mean, I think that's the the way any good comeback uh, happens, right? Um, it's easy to forget about him, though. Like truthfully, like I have yeah spent time where his name didn't even enter my mind, which hadn't happened for a while. Like it was, he was in the news often and playing and whatnot. And then you go to Augusta and things start happening. You're watching Tiger. You don't even think about Phil. I didn't think about Phil not being there. And then this week didn't think about it one time. Yeah. I I think the one key thing missing with Phil thus far, you, you think back to the notorious Tiger press conference in front of the blue curtain. Uh, but I do think he, at some point, if he does want people to come back and and really flip the narrative, like he's he's going to have to be very humble and he's going to have to own a lot of what he's done. And I, I God, I just, it's really hard to imagine him doing that. So I, I don't know where this goes. It's, it's like I said, it, it kind of sucks as a fan of his. Um but also really interesting just as a outside observer. But can I also just note that the last we heard from him, it was not full of remorse. It was full of like, I, I think live golf is more in play than anything else right now for him. I mean, he apologized to the live golf visionaries and whatever that statement was he made before <laughs> stepping away. It was not, you know, I've made mistakes and I, I should not have gotten involved with them. And I, I wonder as time goes on if he's mending the fences, you know, mending that side of the fence more so than the other side of the fence. And uh, if that's a reason for the silence and will we see him in June at the Centurion Club for the first time when we do see him again? Uh, I mean, that, you can't. That, that would be bonkers. I, I mean, I could see that more, though, than than playing the majors. I could see him just. I don't know. I could see him jumping ship and just going full on in and right off into the sunset, count his money and just say, you know what? <laughs> this is how, this is how my career is going to end. I'm not going to try to save face and play a few champions tour events and whatnot. I'm, I'm done with the PGA tour. I'm just going to go make my millions and be done. He truly, 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 in my opinion, would absolutely need the money because we're, we're talking about almost a Rubicon of sorts where, Hey man, you got to think about, what you want your legacy to be at, at this point. And I, I almost think that's the crossroads we're, we're getting to with him. Um, do you want to be the Jack or Arnie of, of this next generation, right? Like you and tiger, you're going to be hitting ceremonial tee shots at the masters for, for as long as you can. And if he just goes the Saudi route, I, I, I I think that's going to tarnish his legacy. I really do. He's just been so he's been his entire career as number two. Literally, he's been in the shadows of Tiger and everyone else his entire career. He's been a number two. He's been he's second. I heard the stat this week. You know Jack's stat of sec runners up in majors. Who's number two on that list? Mickelson. Yeah, like Mickelson's just number two on every single list. And maybe this is his way of saying, you know what? tired of being number two i'm just gonna i'm I'm going i'm just gonna go do it and i'm gonna go get get what i wanted i've wanted my whole life and 
If he needed the money bad enough to have done all this flirting, losing all the endorsements is only going to have made him more desperate. Like, again, we've gone back to it. He's either broke and needs money, or he's obnoxiously greedy, and he's lost a lot of money since this has happened. And we were talking, I mean, potentially tens of millions of dollars, depending on how the details of those contracts work out. Like, I know a place where he can go get tens of millions of dollars if he goes and leaves, and he may have helped this league draft up their bylaws, so... I don't know. It feels like it almost quieted down on that front since he released that statement. But it's like, dude, if you read that statement, it's kind of like, yeah, yeah, like this is where I'm going. I'm sorry I said the bad things about them. Like that's that's where that's where my real apology lies. So I swear these guys, it just works out this way. All right. It works out. This is not intentional. Cash App is not the sole sponsor of all of our conversations around Live Golf. Uh, it just it just so happens to work this way. Cash App is the easiest way to send, spend, and save your money. You can send or request money from friends and family when they owe you for dinner and things like that. You can invest in any stock or buy Bitcoin with just $1. So sorry to have not been able to make it to the Bitcoin conference last week and meet up with uh, you know so many of my other fellow, uh, fellow Bitcoin fans out there. It comes with a debit card. You can customize. Cash App laser prints it and mails it to you. It comes with free discounts on places you love called Boost. And best of all, you can use referral code no laying up. It gives all new users 15 free dollars in Cash App and they set aside $10 for each sign up to youth on course. So the more people we get using uh, referral code no laying up when signing up for Cash App, uh, not only are you getting a free $15, but you can also help to support junior golf. So get on that. Um, speaking of live golf, some news uh, this week that I'll gladly share, but I don't. I just don't know how much I really have to add on top of this because um, I'm kind of I'm fatigued by it all in terms of you know so and so says this, but so and so replies this, but so and so hasn't really made a statement here. But there's a report from the Telegraph that came out earlier this week saying Live Golf is set to announce five names uh, to be playing their events. I do not subscribe to the Telegraph, so I did not read the article, but allegedly the names uh, within that are Bubba. Kevin Na, Jason Kokrak, Lee Westwood, and Ian Poulter. All names that were long rumored to have been involved in this thing. Then uh, a couple days later, or shortly after that, Bubba tweets out his schedule. Uh, unprompt, seemingly unprompted, of here are the events I'm planning to play uh, for the rest of this year. It included two events opposite the Live Golf events. So uh, that's kind of where I'm at with like, okay, well, they're going to announce some names, but I just can never believe anything they say because... Uh, that's pretty much how this whole thing has operated. But it was supposed to be, I feel like there was supposed to be a big splash this week and it almost kind of fell on on deaf ears. I was waiting. I was waiting. I was hoping that, you know, Monday after the Masters, we were going to get fireworks, going to get it. And it was a little tidbit. And then no one even said, yeah, these are confirmed. The guys are still playing in the PGA Tour event this week. Kevin, I was there. Um, you're just, I'm, personally waiting for that for that little bomb to drop of this is who's going to play this is our first event and this is our field one guy we need one yeah. guy we don't even need the field we need one guy we need one name who's going to play in this thing that's coming in less than two months and where are we going to watch it where is it going to be I, two I months know. away 25 million dollar tournament those are just details those are details minor details we'll figure it out <laughs> i don't know i Clearly, something's going to happen, but it it doesn't feel like it's going to be clearly going to be anything. They're good. counting on this event going off. They're going to, you know, it's going to be the Kevin Nas that go do it, and they are hoping that everyone else is just kind of keeping a, a you know a side eye look at it to say, let's see how this goes. And when those cash those checks get cashed, they're hoping that people are like now ready to make the leap. And a couple other things came out this week. 
Norman, in an interview with uh, SI.com slash Morning Read, uh, said that, that for those that don't want to uh, to turn pro or have college el- – uh, so basically Live Golf is working well with amateur golfers um, to fill the fields. They're working with name, image, and likeness deals that are now prevalent in college sports. I don't really think I fully understand this one. I, uh, these amateurs don't have access to the, the funds that are being shared out there, but they can help them land sponsorship deals by playing in the league. I Unless there's something where they want these amateurs to play and say, hey, you you wear our golf Saudi logos in our jersey for the week, yeah. and here's a million dollars, and we can write it off as an image, image and likeness instead of, you know, here you're playing for a million dollars. We'll just give you the money to come yeah. play to have your name in it and fill the field. I don't know. It Does that come just, with a contract to once you turn pro, this is where you're playing? Like, is that their way of – Building I, a farm system? I don't think with name, image, and name, image, and likeness, you can do both in terms of it is strictly amateur stuff and your professional life has no bearing on what that NIL deal is. From my from my limited understanding, but I don't think you could legally, I don't think they could say, Hey, come do this and we we own you once you you come out. I don't think they can legally like chop people's heads off either, but I, I don't, so I don't really know how much the rules really apply to the, to, you know, that's where I'm just like, yeah, but this maybe is what for these kids, do these I, kids I, know what they're signing up for is like what I'm, no. what I'm getting at here. Do you get any offers yet, Randy? I haven't, but um, I, you know, I, I thought it's all you're, you're, you're in the amateur circuits. I, whew, if an invitation comes to the kill house, God, that would be a story. Yeah, what do you do? I'm, what if it's with if a five million Saudi dollar price are listening. tag? Listen, yeah. Any phone calls I take, it's only for leverage. Okay, <laughs> it's only for leverage to get into to you know kind of get my way into to change. We have one opportunity here to change the way amateur golf is played in this country for forever. And uh, I I know that they are some scary motherfuckers, but uh, it would be foolish not to not to take this opportunity. You are the white knight. And most, impo- most importantly, you guys know what I'm all about, and that's to grow the game. And that's all we care about here. And I, I've true. been I've been very consistent on that um, a- across all levels that we the, we want to grow the game. And I'm I'm not going to comment on the politics of the of the situation, but uh, <laughs> I, I'm a podcast host. I I, I couldn't do that. So um, I I think I think if they had a net division, I would give it heavy consideration. But I think I would be out because of the grow the game stuff. I, as, a, <laughs> as an ardent shrink the game supporter. That's just a bridge too far. I, I also don't know if this is a change because the whole thing seems very permeable as it is, but Norman's uh, also from that uh, SI.com article, Norman stressed that no one will be joining Live Golf as a member of a league. That was the original plan, which has been delayed. Uh, we'll be doing it like this for the next two years. We have eight invitational series events this year, 10 next year, and we will do uh, thorough testing of how everything works. We will still do team events, and then the league will be up and running in 2024. We're just giving them an opportunity to go play one time for $25 million or seven times for $25 million with the ability to qualify for the team championship. So I don't know if they're panicking at all over not being able to actually formulate the league and just are going to a straight formula of like, yo, we're just going to host these tournaments and just pay out whoever plays it. If they're worried about it falling, failing so spectacularly that you know in this team league format – or if that changes things legally in terms of challenges of the PGA Tours policy of if you go play in this, you will be banned. I, I don't know, but it, it seems kind of odd to me that two months out um, that they're trying to change the format of this thing, but yet that's very consistent with how things have gone. It just feels like for this to really succeed, they need top guys to play. 
and they clearly weren't going to get them early. So they're saying, oh, let's just push it back a little bit and maybe we can draw them out after this is somewhat successful for two years. And then they'll say, okay, now I've played two more years on the PGA Tour. Now I'll go do this. But I, don't, I just... I just, I just I don't see it being successful. And no one depends wants to- on what, what you consider successful because, I, I, of course, like financially and, and ratings-wise and organization-wise, is it like going to be a disaster in the short term? Yes. Is it going to create problems for the PGA Tour? I, I believe so. Yeah. I think, it, I think that money getting passed out is going to be pretty damn tempting. And, again, I can't believe this is actually coming to fruition. I think the original joke we made about this was like, well, shit, look at the size of Jason Kokrak's yacht. Like, I want a yacht that big. And, like, he's literally one of the first five names listed here. Like, that's pretty incredible. If you go back and listen to this from, like, a year ago. But, like, uh, I don't know. I, I think some some I think they're going to do a decent job or maybe plan on doing a decent job of recruiting up-and-coming players over these next two years uh, so that in 2024 it looks a lot different than that first event will, I'm sure. But, man, I don't know. I don't know how it's going to play out, but I feel like it's going to be bad for the golf world. I think it's going to be a fractured golf world in some kind, and that's not going to be good for anyone. Yeah. Any thoughts to add, Big? No. (laughs) (laughs) I can't do another hour-long Saudi segment. Uh, That's that's all I got. I I don't want to. quite enough. Hmm. I've. I just want to, one guy to say, I'm all the way in. I'm going to be doing it, and then we can I, go more. And I'll say, Westwood, I'm fine, whatever, if that's the case. Poulter bothers me because I'm assuming this ends any opportunity to be a captain of any kind or assistant captain, and I just need I needed him there for these next six to eight years of Ryder Cups where I think the U.S. is going to really lay the hammer down. I needed we need We owe him a lot of, of payback and revenge. And if he's not even there for it, then I feel like it, it, it's just going to hurt. It's going to, it's, it's really going to dig it. We're going to miss something. I'm going to need him there to see it firsthand. So uh big, what happened on the LPGA tour this week? It sounded like, well, so it was a Wednesday to Saturday event. They were out in Hawaii, new course this year, very transparently speaking uh, with our Scotland trip and, Saturday being our big travel day, did not have a chance to watch a lot of the golf. Watched a bit of the final round last night when I got back to Denver before I uh, fell asleep for like 59 hours. But uh, Hyoju Kim won. She played really well, really solid. Two-shot victory over Hanako Shibuno. Um, Conditions. Conditions last night. Kendittis were were tough. I I know they, they got some wind especially first, second day. I think the greens at this course were very firm. So I, I wish I had a lot more insight to offer, but didn't get a lot, uh, a chance to watch a lot of it. So they're back stateside this week, a couple events in LA. Uh, they're actually at Wilshire Country Club this weekend in Los Angeles, which is an awesome course. So definitely going to watch a lot this weekend. And then a new event up in uh, Palos Verdes or wherever that is in relation to Los Angeles. And then a really good event, uh, the, the Founders Cup, back out in New Jersey. Um, I'm a little disappointed they moved it from Mountain Ridge. It's going to be at Upper Montclair Country Club. But, uh, yeah, be a nice a nice few weeks here on the LPGA. I, I'm sorry that's about all I got. Just did not 
with with our schedule, did not have a chance to watch uh, hardly any of it. I will say from the I watched some of the final round last night and watching watching the women play in like umbrellas out and thirty five mile an hour wind gusts was was fascinating. Uh, I feel like they, I always feel like they're playing in a dome. Like for some reason, I always feel like LPGA conditions are quite easy. And this was just a totally different style of play, different levels of comfort with each shot, watching like true three shot par fives and different flights in under the wind and just dealing with the adversity that came from like aiming totally away from holes, downwind par threes, having to just like, all right, we'll hit to the back fringe here and chip back up at it instead of like a dart fest. It was a, it was a grind out there. I mean, it was it was the kind of wins that, like, if, if we're playing and I'm like, dude, if I break 84 today, I'm going to feel really good about it. And there were some really good final round scores. Hyoju Kim is a killer. Uh, she has been for quite some time. But I will say, Hinako Shibuno, that is my girl. I absolutely adore watching her play golf. The smiling Cinderella. She is just always so joyous. She wears every emotion on her sleeve. She makes an eight-foot par putt, and she's just smiling at the camera. She's a, a joy to cheer for. She got a, a runner-up finish this week. So. Did you happen to see they slow-moed her swing? Uh, she's made some changes in her setup, and so the swing looks a bit different. But what I just could not unsee was when she's over the ball, she, like, locks her elbows, and they almost get, like, her, so her, like, elbows are almost open and very close together. I've never seen that like set up out of male, female. It, it was, it was fascinating. Uh, I'm going to try it on the range. That, you say Huber's a swing expert. What would that, what would that do? Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know that one. Listing, you yeah. cannot see. He's very confused. Look on his face. I don't, I don't know that one. I, I haven't seen that one. I will say, sorry. If you're, if you're looking at her, her arms are such that you can see all of the inner elbow. So like I, the creases of the elbows. I will say back in, early college I did something very similar because I wanted to try to get my right elbow to fold and so my swing coach had me open my arm open my hand completely and then keep the forearm that way and just turn my hand and grip the club mm. so it was already set kind of open instead of gripping it with the kind of elbow the forearm closed. Down, yeah because yeah, I would get this way so I'd go this here and I'd grip the club and then my elbow would fold going back. So maybe she needs the left one to fold on the way through too. I don't know. Um, I didn't see it, but I'd, uh, I'm intrigued and I'd like to know more. Yeah. Uh, I obviously not a swing expert, but just looked very different from anything I've seen. I will also note, uh, Atia Titicum finished another T six finish. She is, she is coming. She is, she's already won this year on tour. And she is making a run at this thing. I'd also like to correct a previous statement I made, which I said Spieth definitely didn't go back and sign. Images are now floating of him in the tartan jacket going back and signing for all those kids that he probably made wait he for. He comes back, he made, for, he made him wait for three days. <laughs> the, the, return is, the return is coming. You just have to wait. Yeah, just be patient. Uh, yeah, Sally, one other person just to shout out. Ryan O'Toole, 35 years old, is having a, a sneaky, a, a very good year this year. She tied for six this week has four of her six starts this year. She's placed 13th or better. Uh, just just wanted to, to shout her out. She's she, just somebody I, I noticed, oh, she's playing well this week. Oh, she's playing well this week. So I don't know what it will lead to, but uh, somebody to keep an eye on. A great run from beginning of June uh, through the first week in August. Obviously, uh, honestly, for the uh, for the women, they're going to Pine Needles for the U.S. Women's Open, Congressional for the KPMG Women's PGA, and Muirfield for the Women's British Open for the very first time. So, uh, there's going to be some some fantastic women's golf to watch this summer. Um, uh, well, I want to talk a little Scotland here, but Huber, you made your announcing debut, your Corn Ferry announcing debut this past week. Uh, tell tell us how that went. 
got the call. Uh, first, uh, first live stream uh, for for me, obviously, but it's just like podcasting, um, right? yeah, very, very similar. It just just got to fill the air the entire time. No, it was it was incredible, honestly. I what my mind thought was going to happen was not even close to reality. So I pictured a couple of us in there. You know, we're just talking back and forth, watching the camera, chatting golf, and there's our screen in front of us with the camera that people can see. We have another view next to it of what's coming. You have the four cameras that are on the ground. We're working with a two-second delay with Gary Christian on the ground, who's incredible. Brian Catrick's hosting, and it was like, it worked so well. And I'm over there, I'm like, well, when do I talk? I don't know when to talk. I don't know what to say, when to say, but it was... They made it look easy, and it was it was a lot of fun. I and it was awesome. Shout out Tyson Alexander, Jacksonville guy, first person to ever successfully defend on the Corn Ferry Tour. No mm. one has ever done it in the thirty year history, so pretty cool. I got to watch him. Played a ton of golf with him, and he was nails down the stretch. He did miss a shorty on seventeen for birdie, uh, but was able to make birdie on eighteen and end up winning by a couple. But um, really fun, really fun, just being. To be to be able to call golf, I've, I've I watch golf and you watch the coverage, and you think that it's, and I think that it is. I'm not going to speak for everyone, but I thought it was, you know, a couple people here talking, talking back and forth. But there are so many things going on. You got producer in the air saying, "Hey, we're cutting to cutting to commercial in ten. We got a sw- we're going to do a swing analysis. All this while you're trying to talk golf and whatnot, and the people on TV just do it <laughs> flawlessly. I'm trying to listen. I'm trying to talk, get a little <laughs> nugget in. I'm starting to. I would start telling a little story or something that I knew about Tyson, and then they're saying, "All right, we you got ten seconds left to commercial," and I'm kind of freaking <laughs> out. I'm going to no, 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 no. Can I can I finish this? But <laughs> no, it was uh, it was a lot of fun. I w- I would do it again if they asked. Um, it's just it's just neat to see that side of it because from a fan viewer standpoint, I had no idea what went into it. And I went into the PGA Tour trucks and. We had four cameras on the ground, and with four cameras, you can comfortably cover one group. I think they say three. You can get one group, and that's a twosome. The PGA Tour has cameras, I think, literally 100. I walked in the different trailers, and you can see you got people clipping graphics, immediately grabbing replays, all that. All that's going on while you're trying to dissect a shot or set up the shot, and it's it's a well-oiled machine. And honestly, Brian Katrick was... He made it, it's it's like doing a podcast with you where your voice is great, you roll through all these ads or whatever they are, and it's seems effortless. And he'd be sitting there having a conversation with me, and they're like, "All right, you're live in ten, and immediately switches it on and goes, "And we're back. It's the Corn Ferry Tour Championship, Veritex Bank, and Arlington, and throw in some little random Arlington tidbit and just ad lib." And he's a professional. That's and a gift so, that people yeah. have of like Tarico and Hicks and Nance to just like. I can just show me anything, Terry Gannon, show me anything and I'll talk about it. And, and they I were, get nervous like talking uh, in front of anyone. And it, it's a, it's a totally different skill and muscle to fly. It was, it was weird. Just in, in not having to talk and fill the air was something that felt so uncomfortable while doing it. But on TV, if you watch it, there's a ton of silence where they're watching the ball, watching the guy set up and no one's talking, but you don't realize it because you hear the birds or you hear the wind or you hear whatever you're in that little booth and it's silent and you, I would just kept looking around. I'm like, do now, do, 
is this when I go? I, I, I don't know what to do, but um, I, it was it was a really cool opportunity. Thankful to get that opportunity, and if I get to do it again, I I would do it. Uh, I think I would be a little more comfortable next time using Gary on the ground. He's I didn't know when to say say something, be like, oh Gary, that one looks like it's heading right. They're gonna find the bunker, and Gary's walking behind the bushes or something, and he has no idea. And he'd be like, yeah, yeah, I think it think it found the think it's gonna find the <laughs> find the bunker. In reality, he has. He he was able to deal with me setting him up for failure a few times, and uh, I just want I I wish that I could go back and watch what I did, kind of have a camera on me to see when I was doing things wrong or correctly or whatever. But all in all, incredible opportunity, and personally, I don't give those guys enough credit for how the production goes on because it is it was truly mind blowing. Um, we we all are, that was there. We're critical a lot of television coverage, but we were always quick to say, like, I don't want that job. Like, it's hard. That's hard, way harder than what we do is in terms of comment. Like, get in and out, 15 seconds, say something witty, insightful, unique, and that shows that you know the course and is added to the viewer or something like that. It's it, like, it's hard. There were a couple times that Katrick, there was, they'd be like, all right, we're cutting to this puppy next that someone of the cameras had. And Katrick would, he knew the puppy's name. <laughs> he, knew, he knew it was Jonathan Brightwell's puppy and knew the name, and he made did some little dog voice and, it was hysterical, it, but it they they really are professionals, and um, it's cool. It, it really was. Thankful for that opportunity. Did did they before you went on? Did they like if nothing else, do not do this? Like I imagine, I I were they will like, say don't that, don't cuss, man. No, or were, were no there way, any like just don't do this? There wasn't any. I, there wasn't any do's or don'ts, and that's why it was so intimidating. I think because it was. I spoke with Alex the. Corn Ferry Commissioner, and she asked me to do it. And I was like, well, sure, this is pretty sick, so I'll do it. And I get there the first two hours. So it was me, Brian, Brian Katrick was the host, and then James Nitties, Doug Smith, and I were going to be the analysts kind of rotating in. I'm the first two hours. I get there early, like get there at 1030. We don't go on until noon, and I don't go on until 2. So I'm there, and I was like, can I just watch what you guys are doing? So they had live stream on 15 and 17, and they're talking, and I'm watching. I'm like, I could do this. They're, it's a par three they're talking about in this par four. I can talk about the putts, their shots, their swings, whatever. And then it's my turn to go on at two. And then they're like, all right, we're going to we're going to the featured group, and we got Gary on the ground. And I haven't – I've never watched this before in my life. And now I'm interacting with a guy on the ground, and I didn't get to watch anybody do it before. And they're like, yeah, you, you got this. <laughs> I was like, do I? Do I, though? Because we'll I don't know if I do. Um, so I, I imagine I was probably a little rocky in the in the beginning, but I felt at least decent about it on the back nine yesterday. Colin Tyson and had some had some fun nuggets. There was there's one little nugget I'll share quickly on Tyson. His grandpa Skip Alexander is maybe one of the coolest golf stories of all time that you've probably never heard of. Uh, multiple winner on the PGA Tour, played a couple Ryder Cups, got in a plane crash, only survivor, punched his way out of the fiery fuselage and mangled his whole body. 70% of his body was burned and he goes to the hospital and he has a club with him and he tells them do surgery on my hands to make them work, but I, they have to be able to grip a club. Holy shit. So they do the surgery with him holding the golf club. Oh my God. Then they go, he grows up in North Carolina. Then he makes, he gets the last spot on the 1950 or 51 Ryder cup. He's the 10th place guy. He had won enough points, so he obviously hadn't played. It's at Pinehurst, and this is like his backyard. He's like, I got to play. So 
it's either I'm going to get some of the details wrong, but Snead or I think Snead is the captain, and Hogan's obviously playing really well at this point. They sit Skip Alexander out the entire time until singles, and singles are 36 holes. And Snead's like, I want Skip going against. I'm not going to get the guy's name again, but the number one guy from Europe. He was the leading money winner on the European tour, whatever it was, and they send him out second to last between, and like Hogan was upset about it because I think Hogan wanted to play him, and they send him out second to last sandwich between Sneed and Hogan, and he goes out, and he's got tons of towels, his ankles all mangled, so it's bleeding through his shorts, or through his pants, his or his hands are bleeding through his gloves, doesn't take them off, he's wiping them with towels, and he beats the guy eight and seven, walking, and the, there's a quote in there from Buddy Tyson's dad, and it's like, um, they were walking up 11 at number two, and it gets back up towards the clubhouse, and Skip's like, I don't know how much I got left, I gotta dust his ass right here, and he beats him eight, eight and seven, seven on that, so pretty, just one of those stories that it needs, you need a, a film about it, um, but pretty fun note on That's Tyson his dad obviously was a USAM champ and then grandpa grandpa skip was maybe one of the cooler stories there there's an article on I think on sports illustrated about this and it is it's truly fascinating um yeah that was you you relate I just googled it really quick and found it on the Wikipedia and like you relayed that story almost perfectly accurately I, it sounded I, a bit hyper hyperbolic it really did he so, beat John Banton eight and seven in the in the 1951 Ryder Cup I I joke with Tyson all the time that like Skip's clearly the coolest Alexander and um, <laughs> I've known about it. I I don't know how I got on this topic with Tyson a year or two ago but it's it's just fascinating so. Fun little tidbit. Tyson becomes the first to ever defend a Corn Ferry event successfully, and his grandpa Skip is maybe maybe a cooler comeback than the in the article. It talks about like Hogan's car crash and coming back, and then Tiger what he just did at Augusta, and this guy had seventy percent of his body burn, and he goes out and waxes the Jesus. European number one at Pinehurst in his backyard. So pretty sick. Makes make, makes us feel really good about our jet lag today, doesn't it, Randy? Yeah, how's <laughs> yeah, that tough travel? Ninety seven hours of sleep, Randy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you've had tough meal tea you're drinking. <laughs> well, yeah, I was getting ready to transition us talking about our golf trip, but it seems kind of silly after that. But sorry, uh, that was a tangent, but that's it's it's just one of my favorite stories. We've made a lot of Scotland uh, golf content in the past. We have a full tour of South season about it. We have several podcasts about it, but. Randy, we hadn't been back to the to the homeland in quite some time. We, uh, I guess, describe kind of uh, our, our little trip we we just went on and uh, kind of your impressions from it. Yeah, a trip two years in the making. Uh, we were originally supposed to go in April of 2020 and finally got to go. It was awesome to be back. A couple of things that were highlights for me, we, we stayed in St. Andrews the whole time. So you, I, you and me and DJ went over even earlier uh, to be there for the Masters. Tell us about who went on the trip, though. Just start start from there. Two years in the making. How how did that come about? Yeah, so we we had um, thirty six spots that we filled with uh, mostly members of our community, the Nest. Um, you can check that out at nolangup.com to to see how to become a Nest member. Slash a few non Nest members as well, but yeah, essentially just um, five of us. So thirty one other familiar some familiar faces uh some names we recognize and some people we met for the first time and it you know as as these things tended to do it, it was an awesome group and 
I think it was a great balance of group dinners and some nights on our own and obviously lots and lots of golf in between. And it just, you know, weather-wise, we got the full Scottish experience. I feel like we had some really nice calm days and we had, you know, a few rounds where it was raining and blowing pretty hard and pretty chilly throughout. But man, when the sun came out, it, it was really nice. Um, but yeah, well, like I was saying, it was just really nice be based in scott and uh in andrews and have a chance to really explore the town you know when we went over for tourist sauce we were oh <laughs> seemingly God. driving uh every moment we weren't playing golf and while it was awesome to see so much of the country and so many different courses i really treasured being in st andrews for that amount of time walking through town getting to some more pubs trying some new restaurants uh it just was wonderful to spend time in that city. So yeah, I guess golfing wise, I don't know if you want to run through the itinerary, but what, what was the highlight or a couple of highlights for you, Solly? Yeah. So this was my, uh, I think my fourth trip to St. Andrews in some capacity, but first time ever going in April, I've kind of always, you know, I've have viewed that time of the year as being off limits because of temperature and weather and things like that. And we got a little bit unseasonably cold from what we were told, and uh, it was three or four layers at minimum for for all of the golf, but it definitely passed the test in my book in terms of like, would you want to play there? And uh, absolutely, like it was awesome. It was so much fun. We we ended up going over early to make sure we could cover the Masters completely uh, and fully. Sound like an amazing idea at the time. Like we'll play golf in the morning and watch golf till late at night and stay up till two thirty in the morning and then wake up at seven thirty and play more golf. But uh, we squeezed in some golf at North Berwick uh Ely and the old course uh before our trip started and uh got a once in a lifetime opportunity to have lunch in the RNA and and do that whole experience and the, the, did you do the mince the mince meat at lunch yeah, did. The, the traditional did. you know new member lunch did the traditional new member lunch uh we did not get asked to join the RNA while we were there but we had a, a sp- splendid time with our host there and uh got to play the old course in the afternoon on a Saturday and then roll straight into the bar and watch uh, watch the Masters on TV that evening. It was it was special. It just really was, and uh, it's an old course in particular. Just continues to, I continue to grow with appreciation for it. It's my favorite golf course in the world, and I keep expecting to play it one time and be like, ah, dude, you kind of built it up too much in your head, and it just like keeps getting better and better and better. And it um, it's not incredibly hard. It's just a proper proper challenge, and it is the most fun you can have charting yourself around the caddies are incredible and i don't know just it's uh we get to do a lot of really cool stuff and i guess this pandemic has very very much limited how much of that we can do is first time kind of traveling internationally as a group uh in three years when that was a, a core thing at one point that we did much more frequently than we currently do and to get to touch back into that and wait you know after waiting two plus years for it um it was special that something about that place just makes it makes my obsession with golf feel um, validated, if you will. It makes it feel like a worthwhile endeavor and usage of my time and connection with nature and being outdoors and you know touching base with the history of the game and playing golf where people have played golf for hundreds and hundreds of years and the groups of people that work so hard to maintain it that have had a really rough couple of years um, with not without having visitors. It. Uh, if you can't tell I had a good time, that's that that's my essay, I think, on it. But holy shit, was it great. So all right, we were we worked with Connoisseur Golf, so shout out to them. Uh Simon Holt was our main point of contact there. 
and I, I think you're right about that. I mean, the only thing I'll add was it was really wonderful to hear, not only hear the people who had never been to Scotland, let alone had never played the whole course, to, to hear them describe the fun and the feeling that it meant to them. But you, you could literally just see it on their faces, yeah. right? Um, I, I played in a group with two people that had never played the the old course before and it, it just is you know you you go out eight nine ten and and then you hit 11 and then you turn home on 12 and and you see town and you just make your way towards towards town obviously everybody knows the road hole 17 and then the walk up 18 but i almost got as big a kick this time of experiencing it through them and just hearing their reactions and their emotions and how much fun they were having. I, I think what can never be overstated is how many different ways that you can play golf on, on the Scottish links. And you, you can play the ball through the air if you'd like, but you can also play the ball completely on the ground if you like. And people tend to do somewhere in between, but it, it just caters to every different type of golfer. I mean, we had scratch and better golfers on the trip all the way up to, you know, 20 handicaps and they just have fun playing golf because you don't have like forced carries off the tees. You, you, you don't have a lot of punishing aspects of golf course design that, that you can get in America sometimes. And so, you know, Oh my God, I putted from 80 yards off the green and I, invariably they'll, they'll su surprise themselves with good shots. It, it it just is really cool to, to kind of see that wash over people and then to hear them, you know, with so much excitement and merriment describe the round and, and kind of that feeling of, Oh my God, this, this type of golf is, is incredible. Um, uh, yeah, it's just, it, like I said, it's impossible to overstate the truth in that i think to certainly people that have been no but if you haven't like please grab a, a special person in your life who golfs a, a few people in your life in golf and and try to head over because i i, I promise you it won't let you down what That's, one question what's the diet like over there what what's the food i've <laughs> i've always i you hear guys talk about it going over for the majors and whatnot and it's the same kind of thing every night but what you yeah. mentioned different restaurants. Are you? Is it essentially the same food at every restaurant? Very similar. Like, what what do you eat for dinner? <laughs> well, so the big joke was like French fries are 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 is considered a a Scottish salad. It, it is heavy <laughs> on potatoes. Uh, you're going to have potatoes in one form or fashion. Um, a lot of meat, sausages. I I think it's fine, right? Like you, you just don't get the maybe variety that we're used to here, where it's like easy to go grab Italian or Indian yeah. or Thai or you know, especially in a place like San Andrews. I mean, they do have that. You just, just got to work a little harder to get away from the burger or the the steak and ale pie or the fish and chips. Uh, I I mean, yeah, it's not bad, but. I, I think some people are like after 10, 11 days, it's just like, okay, I Can need to eat another French fry. Up. It was, yeah. I say that. just like, let me run into a leafy green. Or, <laughs> Argent, or, Argentina like, was very fruit. similar. At, quickly is you'd order, you'd go to a nice steakhouse and you're like, oh yeah, I'll have the, the big filet or the big ribeye, whatever. And you get Papa's Fritas. You get French fries with your fancy. It'd be <laughs> yeah. like going to Roos Chris and getting this porterhouse and then bringing out a plate of French fries right next to it. And you're like that. I don't 
I think that goes with this, but whatever. I'll eat French fries again. So, yeah, yeah. I will say I love the unpretentious, unfussy lunches. So we had a lot of lunches that just consisted of a, a bowl of soup and some very simple sandwiches. And I, I love that. And then you kind of, you know, you eat a lot at dinner and you have some beers. And I, I like the way that they eat, even if, you know, from from time to time, we're like, okay, I need, I like, like we had to go get Indian one night because it's like I I need some different flavor. <laughs> it's something about too just the whole the whole vibe of finishing around and stumbling into a pub. You can bring your golf clubs into a pub and they've got outdoor storage or somewhere to store your clubs and everybody around there just talking golf and you're in the Jigger Inn, which is just one of the great places and bar of course everybody knows about the Dun Vegan too. And, and this I'm trying to struggle with the word. It's not nostalgia. Like I didn't grow up there, obviously, but it makes um it just feels whatever the word you would use to describe it. Like, this is where I'm supposed to be right now. Like, and as for as many, as much as I love my family and all things, like there's very little I would rather be doing than like walking the fairways of Scotland, playing golf with friends. I, and I, I think that's right. So I would just say the word that strikes me is content. Like yeah. I just always feel content when I'm over there. It's just like a true dream come true. Like that, I, I've spent a lot of, my early twenties, like reading about top golf courses, the world and dreaming of getting to play them one day and walking the fairways and having done it, you know, I've probably played 150 links rounds of my life. And I, 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 at one point I expected it, maybe expect it to wear off and it never does. I mean, and that's the thing too, is getting out and playing some golf courses that are not top of the bucket list. Like we didn't even know about, I never heard of Ely five, five years ago. Uh, before I played it for the first time, and now it, every time I play that, it grows and grows on my list. The new course at St. Andrews is awesome. Eden, uh, the Eden course was a new one for me to play, and that, that front nine was f an amazing at the Eden. We went to Panmuir and, and played I, for the first time, too. Yeah. What were some of the, the, the uh, secondary highlights for you? Well, I was just going to say how good Eden and the Jubilee course were at, at St. Andrews. I, I think the, the the old course gets so much attention. I'd, ho I'd heard a lot of people say really good things about the new course. I was very excited to see that. I, I was blown away and my expectations totally, uh, I, it was beyond my expectations how good Eden and Jubilee were. I, those are two courses I would happily, happily, happily sign up to play uh, going back. We, we didn't see the cast, you know, we didn't see all of the courses, but those were courses that we saw and I loved them. Uh, except for maybe 14 on the Eden course, which <laughs> was the most misplaced hole in all of Scotland. But yeah, I, I think I would add that, uh, Panmure was just wonderful. It, it had such a historic old wooden clubhouse. Um, it, it kind of felt like just, um, one of those under the radar, cool clubs in the States, right? Like that, that kind of how it, the, the standing it had. Uh, felt to me at least um but the type of course like man awesome walk yeah. such engaging shots and then i i just have to say carnoustie first time i got to play carnoustie i will probably spoil me for life the wind was down the rough was down <laughs> probably will never play easier and i played well i had such a good time you shot 80 tell him tell him where yeah, party to go part, rando part 18 part 18 to shoot 80 what and was it how, how did 18 look what what give me the play-by-play well, I drove it a little right, but had a great lie, and I had 170 to carry the burn. I was coming in from the right. You know, out of bounds is immediately left off that green. 
and I had like 220 to the pin, maybe. And so my caddy and I, God, we had a long discussion. I wish the cameras could have been there. <laughs> and I hadn't made a double bogey all day. It was purely all pars and bogeys. And the, the name of the game was like, let's avoid disaster. And he finally talked me into, he was like, we're going to hit a nine iron up here. We're going to wedge in and we're going to give you a putt for par. And we're going to take disaster out of it. And lo and behold, that's what we did. Uh, I, I realized the name of our company and everything, but I was wondering I, if you were going to say the word. <laughs> I, I made the sensible play. I made a tasteful layup. I hit a great wedge to about 12 feet and I rolled in the putt and I was like, yeah, well, that's <laughs> sometimes you don't have to go for it. I guess. Proud of you. Yeah, um, thank you. I, I owe you a big thanks, Huber. Um, I've, I've played the old course, I believe this five times. And on my sixth time, I, I knew it was there for the taking. The wind was 12 miles an hour, maybe out of the West, which is where you'd want to play the old, uh, the old course at and dump bogey on one, whatever, but steal a birdie on four birdie, the par five, fifth, get a birdie on seven, uh, dump bogey on nine, but then birdie 13. And I'm coming down the stretch at the old course, never broken par on it before. And dude, I, it is so fun to have like just absolutely like playing for absolutely nothing in terms of the group or anyone else. We had some a little bit of money matches, but like I just wanted it for myself so badly, and I got so nervous coming down the stretch. My heart was pounding, and the pin is back left on the road hole, which Randy you wanted so so badly. You oh. wanted to play that pin, and it just again going back to like my appreciation for the old courses. Like I knew where the pin was, so I knew I don't even have to take on the right. I don't really have to take it over the hotel because I know the bet the best play to that pin is going to be from long left because you got to avoid the road hole bunker. If you play down the right, you got to hit like a draw around the road hole bunker, bringing the road into play, uh, all kinds of things. So I bail it left. We're in the rough. We talked through my caddy getting the right number, and I hit an eight iron that I was expecting to jump, and it didn't, and I get, got trapped behind the corner of the road hole, chipping at the road off of tight Scottish turf to a back left pin. And I had the chipping yips as of November before we sat in the garage here at Jack's Beach, and you taught me about using the bounce. And I had to open the face of a 60 and flop one over the corner of this bunker, and I just nipped it perfect. It nipped the top of the hill, skipped down, rolled to like six feet. And uh, it, it, I, I said this to my caddy. I was like, I feel like I remember this from four years ago, that this putt breaks more than you'd think. He was like, you're exactly right. <laughs> and... I, I, again, this is like how much of a he's in his element right now. This was is in sick. His, he in was his green book. This he is how much of a, a sicko notes. I am about the old course. Like I, I can vividly remember some of these things. And I was I like, would "What do you think? Too. What do you think of this ball mark right here?" And he's like, "It's a little bit more." And I was like, "Fuck yeah, let's do it!" Because I always <laughs> overread putts. But he gives me the right line, and I hit the mark, and it fell in the low side. And I just gave like a huge fit. Like nobody else cares, but I gave a fist pump. And good uh, for you. I needed to. Seriously, I, I should have birdied eighteen. I drove great, but I, um, I, I, if I birdied, I would have shot sixty nine. But uh, tried to flop it up, up, not flop it, but nip a chip up back up to the top shelf because that was my best birdie chance. But uh, shot a seventy, and I was. It was just the most one of the most rewarding rounds of golf ever because uh, I just have such appreciation for the chess match that is that golf course. And gosh, it's just it was just so much fun. It, it brought back a, a love for golf that I'd kind of a little teeny tiny bit forgot about. So that's awesome. Good for you. Happy place. So <laughs> we'll we'll drown our sorrows as we head to Bandon this coming week for another yeah. trip Sheesh. that we were not planning to have back to back, but a pandemic had other plans. So we'll taking another group of 60 some people actually out 
uh, to Bannon. So if you're interested in joining one of these trips sometime, head to nolangup.com slash join. And uh, Nest members have first right of signups to, to some of these events. And uh, I don't know how many we're going to do in the future. It sets, the, sets us a little bit back on the business front uh, for quite some time. But gosh, is it a fun and rewarding, uh, rewarding experience. So awesome. Uh, yeah, I think, I think more than anything, it just fills the tank. Yep. It, it just, I come home and <laughs> I can be very cynical about golf. And it's like, man, that was awesome. Like that, I had so much fun just playing golf. And that's, that's very cool. And if this makes one person, you know, we're not, we didn't discover Scotland. We didn't discover American tourism golf in Scotland. But if this makes one person book a trip, uh, just hearing about our excitement from it, then that will be considered a success. So anything else before we wrap for tonight, fellas? Well, you know, I won't get into it, but the Reds ownership sucks. So I wanted to shout that out for uh, my fellow Reds fans. Uh, you can get into we, it. I did see a tweet. Someone someone tweeted at you um, asking, like, question for the pod was, why do the Reds suck so bad? And I kind of want to hear about it. Yeah, well, they suck so bad because they have bad players. And they have bad players <laughs> because they traded away a lot of their good ones. And uh, they, you know, they're they're crying poor. They are operating like a, a small market team, and it's just very disappointing. The the Reds, the, the son of the Reds majority owner, Phil Castellini, came on opening day for the Reds in Cincinnati and, and essentially was asked, you know, hey, what do you say to fans that see this fire sale, see this rebuild, and have to be asking, like, what's going on? And he essentially said, well, where are they going to go? you know yeah what are you gonna do and 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 to that i would just say man you all better be careful because down the street the Bengals have something special building and yeah i I think with the reds the the opposite of love is is not hate the opposite of love is apathy and i'm just like that's where it seems to be headed for the Reds. so hope i'm wrong but they lost today to drop to two and eight and uh yeah, things aren't looking great, which is just a bummer. Uh, You're not wrong. We're going to be bad. It's I'm rooting against them now. I mean, that's that's where my love. Yeah, I feel like I'm going to start rooting against them now too. <laughs> well, it's like a, a ta- like if we're going to tank, tank, right? Like we need to we need to unload some more assets probably and start making plans for 2024. They're kind of half in, half out, and um, the Votto thing is going to be very interesting. I I. I I don't know what to do there. I am willing to do with whatever he would want to do. Um, I can't see him wanting to to stay and and do this any longer. He's put up with it for long enough. So set our beautiful boy free. Trade him to Toronto. Toronto's a fun send, team. I would love to root for him on the Blue Jays. Send him home. My Cubs were uh, in in Denver today. They <laughs> clipped the Rockies. I didn't know if I you thought were some. Yeah, go over I there. thought some smelled bad. I was taking a walk <laughs> this morning. I thought there was a little rot smell. Yeah. Know. It's the smell of victory. You guys haven't smelled that. <laughs> will put an all end. Cut his mic. That <laughs> will put an end <laughs> to this week's podcast. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Hubes, thanks for coming in tonight. Anytime. Big Randy, thank you for powering through the jet lag. Uh, of course. Uh, hope everyone has a great week, and we will see you back here again shortly. Cheers. Rack on. Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's. Better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most! Expect.